Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Hi guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. I'm Elizabeth Richard and I'm here with my husband, Sebastian Richard. (laughs) And today we're going to talk to you about a really, really good topic that I think a lot of you will really enjoy. It's called How Satan Targets You as a Christian Entrepreneur. Mm Mm-hmm. So both Christian and non-Christian entrepreneurs have to deal with all the same basic challenges, right? We deal with money problems, people problems, mindset problems. Those are the three main problem areas any entrepreneur has to deal with on a daily basis. The Christian entrepreneur has one more problem and it's big, it's huge. Sebastian, what's that one big problem? It's huge, huge. (laughs) So the Christian entrepreneur has to deal with a powerful adversary. You might have met him a couple times. He is known in the scriptures as Satan or the devil, and he is dedicated to make you fail on all fronts. So you see, the devil doesn't really bother with unbelieving entrepreneurs because they, at least in part, serve his purposes because they're not serving God's kingdom. So they're, because of that, they're not much of a threat to him. Christian entrepreneurs, however, now there's a special breed among God's people. As a Christian entrepreneur, you are not sitting idly in church Sunday after Sunday. You're a mover and shaker in your church, community, and through your business. And most probably, you're very invested in spiritual and personal growth. You're bearing fruit for the kingdom. You are most likely a leader. And when all is said and done, you are a threat to the Lord of Darkness, Satan. Now, I have some news for you. All of these things, you know, you being extremely active, bearing fruit for the kingdom, and moving and shaking and doing things for God with a passion and purpose that is led by the Holy Spirit, this does not sit well with the enemy of your soul. Right, Liz? Exactly. So you've probably heard many times in church or elsewhere that God has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's true. What you've probably never heard is how the devil also has a plan for your life. You see, Satan's main goal is to keep believers fruitless and ineffective for God's kingdom. What does that mean? Well, it means that Christian entrepreneurs, with their intent on bearing much fruit for God's glory, become a very real target for the enemy. That is so true. And here is something else you might not know. Satan rarely attacks you for what you are now. He most often attacks you for what you might become. You see, the devil is not omniscient like God. It it means he doesn't know everything. However, he does possess great experience at predicting the future with great accuracy. It's no accident that 
Many who serve him use crystal balls, tea leaves, tarot cards to see glimpses of the future. More often than not, he knows better than we do where we are headed. And if that direction is God-honoring, he will attack, provided, of course, that God allows it. Exactly. So before we delve deep into the scriptures, allow us to illustrate with our own story. This is, um, you know, quite personal and all, but at the same time, we really felt that we needed to add this in because it gives you a, a really good idea of what this kind of looks like. It might be different for you, but you'll identify to this. So many years ago, the devil already knew what God wanted to do through us as a couple, but also as individuals. So, yeah. Sebastian, would you share your story to start with? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I think I've mentioned this in the previous podcast, but in my early 20s, I suffered deep and repetitive and debilitating depressions. And those brought me to the brink of suicide many times. It is only through God's grace that I was made to overcome these uh, very, very bad depressions. And looking back, I know now that the enemy was behind much of these attacks on my mind because he wanted me out of the picture permanently. He most probably knew where I was going to be later, basically today. In hindsight, I totally understand why he wanted me dead. He didn't want me to present messages on the podcast you're listening to right now, for one thing, and, and among other things. Exactly. There's um full of other things that we've been implicated in Absolutely. before in the church and, um, you know, talking to other Christians uh, at work about God and stuff. So we've been pretty active with that through the years. And in our early marriage, we suffered many, many trials. Um, it really started in the real beginning of our marriage. Uh, the devil tried to break us apart. We had many money troubles, extended family troubles. Uh, two families just didn't get along. Uh, but one particular year was definitely tested for us. It brought us to the breaking point. Um, Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Well, 13 years ago, we had just moved in our first house, in our first home. We were so excited about the future because we felt blessed with this new house. And uh, we had decided to start our family and, um, you know, basically it was a, a fresh start for us. We had been married for a couple of years. I think it was a good five years at that time. I think it was and three years, Liz. Three years? Yeah, when we moved in. Here's what happened to us in the span of, of about a year. So two months after we moved in the house, thieves broke in while we were at work and stole all our, you know, keepsakes, our jewelry, anything that was of, of good uh, quality, uh, you know, good value for us. So that, uh, that shook us up. We felt violated. And then later that year, a big tree broke and fell in the backyard, the kind of big tree that you actually have to pay a lot of money to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we were lucky because it didn't fall on the house, but still it did a lot of damage. Yeah. And then um, during that, that year, not long after that, we had a huge accident. Um, there's an 18-wheeler that basically didn't see us. We were in his um, blind spot yeah. and we had like a little Ford Escort at that time, station wagon. Oh my goodness. And so the 18-wheeler just like 
He changed lanes. He changed lanes. But he was on in the left lane. We were in the right lane. And uh, he just didn't see us. We were in his blind spot. And uh, it sent us like, spinning. spinning around on the highway in all directions. And we ended up in the ditch on the highway. And we, we were going fast. We were going uh, 60 miles an hour, which is 100 kilometers yeah. an hour. And I was almost three months pregnant at the time with our first daughter, Jennifer. Yeah. So uh, that was very, very scary. Uh, but, you know, God protected us and we were really lucky. We didn't have any, you know, any problems uh, at that time. I didn't have a miscarriage. Uh, everything was okay except for, you know, our car and everything. But um, and then not long after that, um, during that year, again, we were on vacation and our basement got flooded because the sump pump broke because that year, um, right at that week when we decided to go to Florida, yeah. <laughs> which we never did which we, we never, never went on we vacation never went on vacation and, and it was april and the snow was melting uh in quebec yeah and, and my aunt pump, it, it broke <laughs> yeah and my aunt said why don't you come uh have a you know you can borrow my house so it was like this kind of free vacation we we're so excited and that week there were like record heat waves in like april in the like the first week of april which was unheard of and so everything all the snow melted way too fast and our sump pump just gave out remember in, in die hard like why don't you come down south we'll have a few laughs it's gonna be fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so we came back to a flooded basement um everything was finished we lost a lot of souvenirs had to get you know insurance and well the insurance like, we were insured change. but it, it, what sucked is that you can't replace pictures you can't replace certain yeah. things i mean they can, can always pay for other stuff but uh yeah we lost so, a lot of personal stuff in there yeah so we were like whoa you know like at this point like will it ever end like did just you know it was just trial after I trial think we were we were starting to get a clue at that point and <laughs> obviously we're like god like why are you why are you allowing all these things to happen right so and uh, last but not least i did get pregnant uh, a couple of months after we well, moved you you mentioned you were pregnant when we got the car accident and that's that's true you did. yeah exactly and so um when it was time to deliver our child so that was like we moved in i think it was july and uh, i was to give birth in march and um, we, so I did give birth. Um, there was a, a lot of complications. Um, the baby's heart rate started uh, racing and uh, the doctor was really worried. So she said, I have to do an emergency C-section. So after um, basically, you know, getting, getting ready to push and contractions and everything for over eight hours, there was an emergency C-section that was done. And then she said, well, when you wake up, you're going to see your baby and your husband will have the baby first because you're going to be basically knocked out, whatever. So anyways, to make a long story short, I woke up. There was no baby. My husband wasn't there. And uh, I asked what, what was going on and where was my baby. And then I found out that uh, my baby passed away. So Jennifer, our daughter, which was nine months old, uh, you know, was delivered at 38 weeks on, uh, you know, full term. We found out on the spot that she probably had some kind of birth defect that her lungs hadn't developed properly. So there was a birth defect that happens and it's the kind of thing that you don't find out until a baby's born because since the baby's um, lungs develop last, 
um, it's there's no way for them to see on the ultrasound if it's fully fully developed yeah. like if it's working well until the baby takes his first breath of air so when the baby came out and she did cry then they had to cut the cord and when that's they cut when the she, cord yeah. that's when she started she couldn't breathe on her own basically so the only thing exactly. that was keeping her alive was that cord and uh, when, yeah. once they cut it the uh, poor jennifer just um, choked to death basically it didn't take long i mean she, she didn't suffer or anything but uh yeah, uh, it was just a tragic, tragic event uh, for both of us. And and you know, Liz mentioned that when she woke up, I wasn't there. It's not because I'm. Oh, he I, couldn't be there. I yeah. just could, I wasn't allowed in the room, you know. But as soon as they opened the door, I, I, went, I yeah, went by her so. side. Um, but it was uh, a tragic. All this to say, it was really, really a tragic, tragic, maybe year and a half year for us. Yeah, well, it was just like boom, 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 one after the other, just. Like we couldn't take our breath, and then there was something else that happened, and stuff. And it wasn't it was no small things. It was like stuff that that that's pretty bad or pretty huge. You know, car accidents, uh, flooded basements, uh, yeah, uh, being being uh, anything to test our faith and, and to test our evidently losing your child. That yeah. was the, 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 it. Took the cake for sure. But um, uh, all this to say, we're just trying to tell you guys: look, um, whatever you're going through, we. Uh, we we've been through a lot ourselves and uh so that when we're te what we're teaching today is from a, a place of knowing okay we're teaching you guys uh about when when satan attacks you from a place of knowing yeah so all of this was our job experience yeah it was just like uh you know job had had his trials and uh, everybody has their trials in their life everybody has a quote-unquote job experience you know there's a spectrum obviously i mean there's some intensity to suffering but you know everybody's different for for one an experience might be easier to deal with and for the same for another person the same experience might be excruciating so there's always degrees in pain and all that but everybody in this life in this world we all go through trials and difficulties and, and problems but sometimes they're not just part of the natural course of life sometimes they are caused by a very real enemy. And that's what we're getting at today in today's podcast. And much later, uh, well, not too much later, but during my grieving process after the passing of our daughter, I remembered that verse that Liz mentioned earlier in John 10.10, 10, the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and theologically, well, uh, it doesn't refer to Satan per se, okay? Uh, in fact, it refers more in a way to uh, false teachers. But a lot of theologians have taken that passage and, and, and applied it to Satan because it does indeed apply to how he proceeds. Obviously, we know that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I came to the realization that in a relatively short time, we had been victims of theft, steal, destruction, the basement, the car, and killing, death in our own family. So steal, kill, and destroy. And I was... I was kind of shocked because although, you know, I, I, when we were going through that during that year, it was like, what's going on? What's going on? I didn't necessarily see this whole span of time as, hey, one big satanic attack. And uh, once I once I rethought about it, I was like, well, okay, there, there's definitely something here. There's some, We've been targeted. I mean, obviously, looking back, and at the time when I realized this and I meditated on that verse, I, I knew at that time, at that moment, okay, we, we've we been targeted here. Something's up. It's not just, you guys are unlucky, 
God is allowing this. And it was more, there was more to it. So although we knew that God had allowed all of this, we clearly understood at that time who was behind it. And Job in the Bible had to endure the peak of human suffering in all of its forms, mental, emotional, psychological, and physical. It is safe to say that perhaps aside from the Lord Jesus Christ, Job's suffering was one of the worst in all of history. Uh, it's hard to put on a scale. Everybody suffers. Uh, Apostle Paul suffered a great deal as well. But uh, I think in the Bible, uh, Christ is the one who suffered the most, obviously. Mm -hmm. That was part of his mandate, I suppose, as the Son of God. The sacrifice would not have been complete if he had not been the one to bear the sin of the world. Uh, but Job um, suffered a great, great deal in the scripture, in people of scripture. Exactly. And one aspect of Job that is seldom taught is that he, like you, like us, was an entrepreneur. Yeah, we don't teach that often. Exactly. And uh, we, to do this teaching, we really analyzed uh, his story, right? So he was a very godly and successful entrepreneur. The Bible describes his possessions and entrepreneurial success this way. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, a large number of servants. The Bible says he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Yeah, he was no pushover uh, when it came to uh, success in business. Uh, and and it's funny because we don't we don't talk about Job that way. I mean, back in the day it was kind of quote unquote normal to be an entrepreneur, but not really. I mean, there were servants, there were people who had jobs back then too. I mean, uh, workers and all, and all that. So Job was an entrepreneur. He was the on, an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Really, there's an extra biblical book that is called the Testament of Job. And I'm just, I'm just loving the fact that we're doing a podcast right now. Because if I were in a church on any given Sunday, mentioning an extra-biblical book, they would probably boo me out or <laughs> talk to me after the service. And say, Don't ever mention that again. But I'm glad this is a podcast because I can mention this. Uh, it's a fascinating writing, The Testament of Job. And in that book, it describes how Job handled his success and his wealth. It's in the third chapter of the manuscript. If, if some of you guys are curious, you want to go check that out, you can probably find it online, the Testament of Job, chapter 3. I'm only going to mention a few things that are written in that book right now because I don't want to... There was a, a, a whole lot that was mentioned uh, about his the way he ran business, the way he did things. I thought it was so interesting. So, so I'm just going to bring out some points that I read, okay? So I'm going to read it to you. It's basically Job, Job uh, talking. He said, I had 130,000 sheep, and of these, I separated 7,000 for the clothing of orphans and widows, and of needy and sick ones. And I had nine mills working for the whole city, and ships to carry goods. And I sent them uh, into every city, and into the villages of the feeble and sick, and to those that were unfortunate. And I had 340,000 nomadic asses, and of these I set aside five hundred, and the offspring of these I order to be sold, and the proceeds to be given to the poor and needy. From all the lands the poor came to meet me. The four doors of my house were opened, each 
being in charge of a watchman who had to see whether there were any people coming asking alms, and whether they would see me sitting at one of the doors so that uh, they could leave through the other and take whatever they needed. I also had 30 immovable tables set at all hours for the strangers alone, and I also had 12 tables spread for the widows. And if anyone came asking for alms, he found food on my table to take all he needed. And I turned nobody away to leave my door with an empty stomach. So that's what I, I read in the Testament of Job. And it just, it just inspired me. It, it kind of blew me away. I could go on because the text explains even further just how godly, generous, and just Job was with his wealth. And even though this book is not canon scripture, I believe it probably is an accurate description of Job's ways. Suffice it to say, because he was such a wealthy, godly, and generous entrepreneur, Job became a target. Here's what the Bible says about Satan and Job. In Job chapter 1, verses 6 to 12, we read this. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now, stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, then. Everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Mm. I love that verse. It's very... That uh, passage, yeah. First time I heard that, I was like in shock. <laughs> it's, it's shocking because on the one hand, you're you, like, how you don't could imagine Satan that. so easily bargain? And on the other hand, and you're God like, say, why okay. would God allow it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there are great lessons we can learn from the book of Job and how the enemy proceeds to destroy godly and impactful Christians. So number one, he does frequent reconnaissance patrols. So the devil wants to attack those with impact. He will not waste his time or resources on anyone who does not now or will not in the future have an impact. Okay, so people, you know, that don't have a, a heart to serve and casual we call them casual christians right yeah, exactly. uh, those who are like uh, lukewarm like the bible mentions he goes after the impactors to negate their impact he goes after the fruitful to make them fruitless he goes after the active to make them inactive he goes against the willing to make them unwilling he goes after those whose voice is heard to silence them he goes after Christian entrepreneurs to make them fail and, if possible, to make them believe they are failures. Mm. 
So that is why he goes roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And like the Apostle Peter reminds us in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Yeah, and that verse in 1 Peter 5, 8, really like the, what we heard Satan was doing, you know, going to and fro on the earth, la, la, la. That's exactly what he does. So the opening scene in Job shows us that Satan does go to and fro upon the earth. That's his favorite pastime. He seeks you out to torment you, to steal from you, to destroy your works. And yes, let's be honest, even to kill you if it were possible. Be on guard. He is ever on the prowl. So how can a Christian, how can a believer be on guard? Well, Charles Stanley once gave an interesting acrostic to remind ourselves when we should keep ourselves in check. When we should be aware like, okay, I'm becoming vulnerable here. And the acrostic is really good because it spells HALT, H-A-L-T. And the letters mean H for hungry, A for angry, L for lonely, and T for tired. Whenever you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that means you're vulnerable. So be cautious. You're most probably being watched and targeted as well. This makes you vulnerable. Exactly. I really like that. It's And it's so true. That's when we notice that, you know, we're more short-tempered or that, um, you know, sin, sin can come into our lives a lot easier that way when, yeah. when we're, you know, vulnerable that way. So that brings us to number two. He assesses openings. The passage in Job also reminds us that the devil is always looking for a way in. We can almost sense Satan's frustration when he utters these words to God. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? He almost sounds like annoyed, right? Yeah. You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. So let me ask you a question, Liz. Do you think Satan had been to Job's property before? Yes, <laughs> I think uh, I mean, he's been that, there quite a few times. From that passage, it's quite obvious that it, it, it's it kind of implied. Him. It's kind of implied just by the way he mentions the, the hedge around him, right? Yeah. So not only has he been there before, but like you said, we can safely assume that he's been there repeatedly and that it's been frustrating him. Time and again, he must have shown up close to Job's property, assessing trying to get in, trying to figure out how to bypass this godly protection, trying to pass over God's hedge of protection. So I'm going to ask you listeners a question. You remember the original Jurassic Park movie? Well, you probably do. I mean, it's a classic. Most of us have seen it. Uh, it was huge at the time when it came out. In one of the scenes, when uh, the zookeeper and the other guards uh, and, and um, I don't I forget the actor Sam Neill was playing, but all the, the main characters are together and they're talking about the velociraptors to the, the zoo, the guard of Jurassic Park. They were saying how they proceed to try and get through the park's fence. 
And I believe that what they say in that little clip is very, very similar to how the enemy proceeds in our lives. So I, I took that clip and I wanted to share it with you guys. So here's the clip of that scene. We bred eight originally, but when she came in, she took over the pride and killed all but two of the others. That one. When she looks at you, you can see she's working things out. That's why we have to feed them like this. She had them all attacking the fences when the feeders came. The fences are electrified though, right? That's right, but they never attacked the same place twice. They were testing the fences for weaknesses systematically. They remember. So we're back. Just like the leader of the raptors in Jurassic Park. The one that they say you can see she's she's looking, she's trying, she's trying to figure the things out. Well, Satan He's doing the same thing, okay? And when he's not doing it himself, he has his emissaries testing God's hedge of protection around you, your loved ones, and your possessions regularly, looking for weaknesses systematically, looking for a way in to cause more damage. And don't kid yourself. They do report what they find back to him. So don't give the devil or his minions any opening in your life. Exactly. And it reminds me of a verse we read in Psalm 34, 7 that says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Yeah, exactly. And, and God can remove this hedge of protection and his angels to protect you if... And, and I, here's the if, okay? Number one, if you are aware of a habitual sin in your life and do not repent. Number two, if you engage in forbidden practices such as magic, secret societies, or the occult, which is known by uh, Christian deliverance ministers as door openers. Uh, they open the door to malicious spirits or demons. This can be a very real temptation for Christian entrepreneurs, okay? Um, because Christian entrepreneurs might be tempted into looking for a faster way to success, for getting ahead. I mean, you're, you're trying to run a business, trying to make ends meet sometimes, or trying to just get ahead. And it's a competitive world. And sometimes, some have fallen away by opening the door, by going into forbidden Practices such as magic and other stuff like that. It's been it's been a snare for some believers Remember in Star Wars what Yoda said to Luke when I think it was Empire Strike Back When Luke asked Yoda is the dark side more powerful? Remember what Yoda said No quicker easier more seductive <laughs> That's what he said and it's true I mean, it, it, it's not more powerful. We know that, obviously, because we know that the sight of God is way more powerful. But this just serves as a warning. Number three, if you refuse to obey God after he has made his will clear to you. Remember Jonah? I mean, he had told him to do something. And hey, guess what? Was he protected when he was swallowed up by a big fish? Not really. <laughs> and he was almost dying. He was to the point of death when he prayed God. Uh, he repented, basically, in the belly of the fish. And then he was, the fish came to vomit him. But anyway, 
that sometimes when you refuse, uh, when it's blatant disobedient to God, you are kind of putting yourself in a situation where you're not really protected anymore. And, and number four, if you're simply backslidden and God decides to chastise you, uh, that might be also um, something that you have to uh, be mindful of. His hedge of protection won't be around if you are backslidden and decide to go the other way. So as a Christian entrepreneur, you have a lot to lose, be it loved ones, possessions, or your business, okay? Your fear of God is what will keep that hedge of protection strong around you. It's the fear of God that uh, gave Job so much protection and that frustrated the devil so much. And, and it's clear from the scripture that Job was indeed greatly favored and protected by that hedge of protection. Remember, guys, the scripture says believing God is not enough. James 2.19 says, You believe there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Now, that's a clear indication that we should have fear of God because, hey, demons tremble knowing there is a God. So, human beings, we're very arrogant. <laughs> we... we uh, we don't have the same fear of God that angels have, that demons have, that, that beings uh, more powerful than us have. So it's kind of unhealthy for a believer not to have the fear of God, okay? So do you have an opening through which the devil can get in your life and hurt you? Or do you fear God in such a way that his angel encamps around you? Those are important questions to ask yourself. Exactly. And another thing we need to be aware of when Satan attacks is point number three. He needs God's permission before he strikes. Mm. So if you fear God, the enemy will never be allowed to directly touch you or your loved ones or your business or your possessions unless God allows it first. Mm. Remember God's word from the book of Job where he says, the Lord says to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Yeah, now this, to me, sounds like God is the boss. I mean, like, big time. It's obvious from that verse right there. And when God allows it, you can be sure it will benefit you in some other way in the end. Because the scripture mentions, remember that verse that Christians love to quote? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Satan needs God's permission to directly affect you or your life. If, provided, like we said, if you are a God-fearing and, and, and fruitful Christian. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, we read a most powerful verse. During the Last Supper, Jesus tells Peter these words. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, there in this short passage, there are two main lessons, okay? Number one, Satan has asked. Isn't that interesting? So, Satan has asked for permission. 
And number two, which is also very interesting, the permission was granted. How do I know? Well, it's simple. Jesus says, and when you have turned back, meaning when you have recovered after the sifting, okay, then strengthen your brothers. Now, the sifting process is a very interesting one, and I was not very familiar with it. I'm not, I'm not the son of a farmer. I didn't grow up on a farm, so I was like, you know what? I want to know what sifting is like, so I went and looked it up on YouTube, okay? After the wheat has gone through the, the threshing process, it needs to be sifted through a coarse screen. And this sifting process does the following. Number one, the wheat is put in the coarse screen and severely shaken back and forth during the sifting process. Now, I find that very interesting. The wheat is severely shaken during the sifting process. Okay, remember what the devil said. He wanted to sift the mm -hmm. apostles like wheat. Number two, the shaking separates the good part of the wheat from the debris and everything that is not consumable. Now, that reminded me of sanctification. Right. That sifting, that severe shaking that God allows is, is what separates the good part of the wheat from what is not to be consumed. And number three, I found this to be gold. Guys, I think this was from the Holy Spirit. I really believe this was inspired when I got, when I got this. In the video, the farmer said this, I can hear the wheat falling into the bin. When I don't hear it anymore, it is all sifted out. Now, let me repeat that. This is really gold. The farmer said, I can hear the wheat falling into the bin. When I don't hear it anymore, it is all sifted out. So don't you go thinking that only faith champions like Job and Peter get claimed to be sifted. If you are all out for God, the enemy will claim to sift you as well. And when Satan claims us to be sifted like wheat, he wants us to be severely shaken. He wants to severely shake us. And in the process of the shaking, he knows we have been sifted out completely once we are silenced. Now, that's what I got from that. I, I thought, I, I, I actually thanked God when I got that insight. I was like, whoa. The devil wants to shake you up, to shut you up, and to shut you out. He wants to silence your voice, your impact, your ministry, your business. And here's how he does it. Point number four. Yeah, and it's a huge one. And I really like what you said earlier. Um, this this is a real eye-opener because it really clearly shows us, you know, through, a, through an example like this, how God will allow certain things to happen. And, and you know, that's a constant battle, you know, that Satan's always trying to to get to us and how it works right um, but I think that this point number four is really really huge when it comes to Christian entrepreneurs oh yeah number four is he attacks your mind mm -hmm. now yes he can attack your mind as a Christian that's not an entrepreneur but I think that 
as an entrepreneur, we, you know, because of what we're doing, because we're oftentimes trailblazers, in innovators, we're, we're doing things for God and we're, uh, you know, we're following his word. And sometimes there, there are things that he's asking us to do that hasn't been seen or there is no path to where he's taking us. So we oftentimes can have doubts and we can, you know, kind of question God and say, you know, why me? And, you know, all these things come into our mind, but oftentimes in our lowest points or in, you know, times where it's more difficult to run our businesses or to do what we're supposed to do, he attacks our mind. That's one of the ways that he can really get to us, right? Mm -hmm. So ask any sniper what the best place to aim on a given target and they will tell you the heart or if you're really good, the head. So as much as I hate to admit it, Satan is a very good sniper. He loves to aim for the head more precisely for your mind. There you go. And uh, we hear many Christian pastors talk about this. Those that have, you know, that have really big ministries. He has really, really done a number on trying to affect their minds and they'll warn us about it and they'll talk about it openly mm. so it is with our mind that we serve the lord right if your mind is affected your body is affected automatically and everything else too I mean, exactly if you, you, you just lose your willpower you can get depressed you're not in action anymore there's so much as affected when you just don't have that strong mindset mm. to move forward so oh, it's it's like it's really the key i mean even for non-christian entrepreneurs i mean mindset is huge i mean this is it determines the amplitude of your success the bigger the stronger the mindset the more likely you are to have massive success because you just won't quit or you just you just persevere or just try something else but you're just gonna constantly want to move forward with a strong mindset Exactly. So in Isaiah 26, 3, we read that the Lord will keep us in perfect peace. Whoever's mind stays on him because we trust in him. So whoever's mind stays on him. Exactly. In Philippians 4, 7, we read the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So the heart and the Mind. mind and in Romans uh, chapter 7 Paul talking he says I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law but in the sinful nature a slave to sin wow so as Christian entrepreneurs our mindset is our greatest asset so it's really important we talk a lot about this in our podcast you know, to stay connected spiritually to God and to have a good relationship with God and spend time de doing devotionals. But it's really important to make sure that you're listening to good content that helps you to strengthen your mindset as well. Well, yeah, like Philippians 4.8 says that, that, that your mind should dwell on everything that is pure, godly, good, encouraging, whatever. Like all the good virtues, all the good stuff, that's where you should, your thoughts should be. So exactly. that's how, what, how you keep a good, strong mindset. And uh, yeah, as Christian entrepreneurs, our mindset is our greatest asset, like you said. And the devil knows this. Yeah, and they both work together too as well. So the more we read our Bible and spend time in the Word, that really helps us focus on our priorities and helps to remind us and give us that confidence that we need that God is behind us and that He is 
um, you know, working with us and, and there's blessings that follow and all that. So here's a great clip from a sermon by T.D. Jakes that talks about how our minds are the battlefield. You're going to get a kick out of this one, guys. I mean, T.D. Jakes, nobody can say it like him. I mean, I got to give it to the guy. He can preach up a storm. And uh, that, that little minute and a half, two minute clip is really worth you paying attention. This is really going to bless you. So listen to this. The Bible says it is with the mind that we serve the Lord. It is with the mind that we serve the Lord. The mind is the battleground. It is the place where the greatest conflict is. There are more people in this room having trouble in their mind than there are people having trouble in their finances. The struggle is in your mind. This is why we have people who go to bed tired and wake up tired. Slept eight hours and you wake up still tired. The reason you wake up tired is that you got sleep but you didn't get rest. Your mind has been in turmoil all night long. You've been wrestling in your sleep. Have you ever woke up and your bed was wet? The bed is all torn, just like you've been in a fight because your mind has not rested. Your body went to sleep but your mind is still caught up in a warfare. Your mind is the battleground. Touch somebody and tell them the enemy is after your mind. Out to worry you to death, out to stress you to death, out to break you down, out to make you quit, out to make you think that you can't get up, out to make you give up on your dream. The warfare is in your mind. It's not in your checkbook. It's not in your savings account. It's not on your job. The fight that you've got to fight is in your mind. And if you whip it in your head, you can whip it in your checkbook. You can whip it on your job. You can whip it out of your children, but you got to cry out of your head all right we're back so if he can affect your mind he knows he's already won simple as that if the devil can affect your mind he knows he's already had the victory he knows that's where it's that's where it's happening and look at how Job was attacked. I mean, we, we look at the book of Job, and for the longest time, I used to look at, oh, well, you know, Satan attacked his goods. He attacked everything around him. And, uh, but Satan knew that if he could affect Job's circumstances to the extreme, he could defeat his mindset. So it wasn't about destroying his possessions. It was about destroying his mind. So he went to town attacking his herds, his business, his servants, and ultimately all ten of his children. If Satan would have had his way, Job would have lost his mind and cursed God to his face. He didn't. A lesser man would have been broken. He would have, as we say, lost his mind. There's a Batman comic book I once read in which the Joker, for those of you who don't read comics or are not familiar with the Joker, well, I sympathize with you, but <laughs> <laughs> but in that particular comic, uh, which is a classic, uh, it's called The Killing Joke, uh, the Joker, who's psychotic, he once theorized this in that uh, particular comic. He said, 
all it takes is one bad day to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy. That's how far the world is from where I am. Just one bad day. Well, friends, Job had one bad day. I mean, the worse. But by the grace of Almighty God, he was sustained. Earlier in the podcast, we told you guys of our story, our bad year, and then some. We've also had some very bad days that we didn't tell you about. And on those days, it was obvious. We just knew it. We knew who was behind it. It wasn't just happenstance. I mean, you know, for example, some days you're like, you're, you're late for work, your your uh, clock didn't ring. Then you try to start your car and the engine won't start. And you go to the garage and it costs you five times more than you thought. And then you get to work and you don't get the promotion. And uh, I don't know, I mean, there's days like that, right? There's days like that when it's one thing on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. And you just know this is not just happenstance. There's something, there's someone that targeted me today and he's really going at it. So when that happens, you know that he's trying to make you go insane. He wants you to go nuts. He wants you to lose your mindset and to curse God to his face. That's what he tried to do to Job. And, you know, dear listener, you've probably had your share of bad days too. Maybe you're having one right now. Maybe he is out to steal, kill, and destroy you right now. But we know this. We know that like us, like Job and like the Apostle Peter, God, by his grace, will sustain you. Yes, and maybe you're having one bad day today. Maybe the enemy has placed a warrant on your head at this time. Maybe you're having a bad week, a bad month, or a bad year even. Here is what you need to know as we end this podcast. If he allows the enemy to come after you, God will restore you. Amen to that. If he allows the enemy to come after you, God will restore you. Just to encourage you, and and you've probably read this before, but I just want to put things in context. Let's just read the end of Job's story. It's in Job chapter 42, verses 10 to 17. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, And all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had, when all was said and done... uh, at the end of his life, 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. 
He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Kerenhapuk. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Now, don't you just love happy endings? Yes, I do. So do I. And I remember your grandmother, when she would watch a movie on screen and, and there was a happy ending, she would just look at you with a beautiful smile. She was a woman, by the way, who had been through the war, Second World War, and had suffered a lot in her own life. Yeah. And whenever she would watch a nice movie and there was a happy ending, she would look at Liz and say, uh, oh. happy ending. <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah. would, she had a, a, an accent. She was from um, Latvia. Latvia, yeah. yeah. She, was just, she just loved happy endings. So if you fear God and he allows you to lose, he will eventually restore one way or another. It might not be restored in its original version, but it will be restored unto you. Right. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verses 29 and 30, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So yeah, he will restore to you along with persecutions. It's part of the lot. We're Christians. We're gonna we're gonna be targets. We're gonna have problems. We're gonna have trials. And in Joel chapter 2, verses 25 to 26, we read this great encouraging verse. I remember day in my life, I was uh, severely depressed in my early 20s. And there was this lady at church who saw it and, and I confided in her. And she was a good woman. And she wanted to encourage me. And she quoted to me that verse. And it so encouraged me. And, and whenever I get down, I go back to it. This verse in Joel. I will repay you the years the locusts have eaten. The great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. I love the beginning. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Right. So maybe right now you're undergoing some of those years. Maybe the locusts, maybe the trials, the difficulties, maybe the enemy has set a price on your head. And, you know, in a way, it's an honor. When the devil puts you on his hit list, it's an honor that he does you. He doesn't put just anybody on his hit list. If you're a fruitless Christian, he won't bother with you. But if he knows that you're going places, oh, you're going to be on his hit list. And you know, in, in like we've had our shares of ups and downs, but when I look at back then where we were spiritually and you know how that, that year was so full of events and all kinds of things that happened, uh, it was a real test of faith, but God you know, allowed all of that to happen and it did end up, end up strengthening our faith. Like 
I used to compare it as a tsunami. I felt like it a felt tsunami like we were caught in a tsunami. Yeah, it came into our lives, especially when our daughter passed away. It was just that, that took the cake. I mean, yeah. for us, that was our. I think that was our breaking point. I mean, I was broken as a as a man, as a as an individual, as a father, as a husband. I was completely broken, and and it, in all honesty, it almost destroyed our marriage. Yeah, it, it came very close, and uh, you know, when that happened, we just couldn't understand at that time why God would allow this, right? But you know, when you go through these things and you you keep the faith and you still stay strong, and I'm not saying that we were perfect. You know, we had our ups and downs with you know, when it came spiritually, but he just had a way of always drawing us back to him. And our love for him was really strong. So it brought us back to him. And in a way, all that ended up making us stronger and seeking a different path spiritually. So we we went from, you know, being more like bench warmers at church that were like doing the routine of, you know, going to church and all that, but kind of like not really on fire that much for him. And all that transpired, all that happened, and it brought us to a deeper spiritual path. A deeper path, yeah. Yeah, where we, you know, had to take some time aside and we just, you know, had to work on our our, our lives and, and strengthening our faith and and that just brought us together, uh, closer to God and together as a couple. So, you know, God used all that. So, you know, sometimes like we're talking a lot about the devil here, but, you know, God does allow these things sometimes to chastise us to, or to test our faith or to bring us closer to him. Um, like, you know, like he mentioned earlier, all, you know, through sacrifice and through all these hardships you're able to have something beautiful come of it right Mm. so i hope that this really encouraged you that you know it's not all in vain and that you know you will have your bumps in the road your ups and downs but that there is hope and that god has a plan and that he hasn't forsaken you and um, that you're not alone in your entrepreneurial journey that he will bring you blessings and he does have a plan so and it's interesting too um in our in our own process of, of dealing with this job experience our own personal job experience we question god a lot i mean i'm on my right. own as an individual believer i question him a great deal and i know liz uh, did the same uh, and it's interesting because job uh, questions god in the book of job when you you read it, it he really questions him and uh, the rebuke of the lord is uh something else in that book when uh, God says, okay, you question me, now I'm going to question you. <laughs> and he starts with, where were you when I, when I laid the foundations of the earth? And then he goes on and asks a bunch of questions, all of which a man could never answer. But, you know, God is patient with us. I mean, we questioned him and, hey, we're still here. He didn't strike us with lightning. Uh, he, he sustained us through his grace. He, he showed us mercy. So it's okay to question God just uh, if you're if you're wondering you know he can handle it don't worry about it he can handle it if it makes you feel good to ask these questions just scream them out just cry them out that's okay God understands exactly and um, I hope that this podcast helped you as well to see this in a different light because I think as Christians a lot of us aren't aware to what extent 
you know, the devil is trying to work in our lives. A lot of people think, oh, well, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I read my Bible. Nothing's going to happen to me. And they don't realize what they're up against and that the devil does try to does try to attack you and does try to affect you in a certain way so that you're not as fruitful for God. So it's once you're aware of this and you can see the signs, you can fight then back. You, then you fight back and you see it right away. And when it happens, like when you see something's off, like sometimes we'll even notice that. Okay, this know, is this is supernatural. It's not it's not happening in the natural. This is happening in the supernatural. Although it's affecting us in the natural, we can see like with discernment. As you grow in, in experience with spiritual warfare and all this stuff, uh, you're going to spot when, okay, this is, there's something going on here. This is not just happenstance. There's someone who's trying to hurt me here. Exactly. And then that's when you have to get on your knees and pray together as a couple and uh, really fight back so that uh, you stay strong in God's word and stay close to him and not let the devil try to destroy anything in your family or like T.D. Jakes always says, fight back, fight back. <laughs> well, that's what he means, right? So The devil is a liar. <laughs> yeah. So share this podcast with those that you think will it will bless. Um, we really hope that it blessed you and that you'll share it with others, that will, it'll be a blessing for their lives. And uh, thank you for listening to us. You can subscribe to our podcast at thrivingonpurposepodcast.com. You can sign up to get the latest podcast in your inbox. And, and, and we, don't, we, we don't always say this, but we love you guys. We thank you for listening. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, we, just, we just really want you to be blessed. We want you to draw closer to God. And uh, we're very thankful that you take the time out of your day or week, because we know you're busy, uh, and you take the time to listen to this. Uh, we're very, very thankful. Yes. Sorry I cut you, Liz. It's okay. <laughs> so be blessed. And thrive on. Thanks for listening to the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.